thought that was an interesting thing. There's a, there's a, I looked it up, and there was a gentleman. This may or may not be totally true, but there's a gentleman called James Bartley, born in 1870, and he died in 1909, who was on a whaling ship down near the Falklands, apparently, and he was swallowed. This is the story as it goes in Wikipedia. Must be true. He was swallowed whole by a sperm whale and found alive days later in the stomach of a whale which was dead from constipation. He obviously ate something that didn't agree with him. Who knows if that's totally true or not, but that's the story as it goes. And I know it says great fish in the story of Jonah, but it was a big sea animal, okay? I'm going to read to you from Jonah chapter 1. And I do believe this morning that God's got something to speak to us about. And there's a message here that's going to be important for us. Jonah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to see him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. These were really nice blokes because it says this. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't because the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah, the prophet, was the reluctant one. The one who didn't want to go where God wanted him to go. This is about 846 years BC. It's an old account. It's an old story. But I do believe that there is a contemporary thing that we need to learn from the experience of this man. There's some important lessons. You see, first of all, he was called by God to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was in Assyria. The Assyrians were the enemies of his people. 
It's a bit like asking Jeremy Corbyn to go to the Conservative um, conference and say how wonderful they are and you've got it right after all. And of course, he wouldn't do that. But in fact, it's worse than that. He was going to go and speak life and blessing to the enemies of his people. And even then, he didn't want to. Do you know, there are times for all of us when we have to face doing what we don't want to do because God calls us to do it. Am I right? It's not all sailing, plain sailing. It is sometimes quite hard. Sometimes we're called to do things that in our walk with God, we don't find right, we don't find fair. We have to do things that, that God calls us to do and we're reluctant and so we try and avoid doing them. So Jonah's story teaches us things about how we're called to walk with God faithfully and consistently and yet Jonah here had a bad attitude and he did something really daft. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, every time I read that, I think to myself, which bit of that was a good idea? Jonah ran away from the Lord. You know, God is what we call omnipresent. He is the great creator and the one who fills the whole of the universe with all of his presence. Out of my window, when I lie in bed, I can, at the moment I can see Jupiter. I'm sure you all sit there laying in bed watching Jupiter, don't you? You do, you can see Jupiter. You would, yeah. Um, well, I can as well. And the thing about, oh, thank you very much, there's a trip hazard there. Yeah, thanks, Eliezer. There's... Jupiter, it's a tiny, tiny, if you don't know what, you know, what you're looking at, it could be a star. It's a tiny, tiny little dot. And yet, we are told that it is so big, so big, that you could fit all the other planets in the solar system in it. Isn't that amazing? Does that make you feel small? And does it make you feel full of wonder that the God of the universe didn't only make all that stuff, but he made all the universes and everything that there is that has been made was made by God. And he fills it all with his presence. The whole of God is in the universe. And yet, do you know something? The whole of God and his presence is in this room as well. That is amazing. And I'm not asking you to understand that. <laughs> because you can't. But we're talking about God. And the whole of his presence is here. And if you go somewhere else, it's there. Where on earth do you run? To run away from God. You cannot do it. He got it completely wrong. He was called to Nineveh, which is in modern day Assyria or Iraq. He was told to go to the east. Guess which way he went? He went to Joppa to catch a, a, a ship to the west. Uh, I looked at, I tried to find where Tarshish was, and it's a bit indeterminate, really. It's, it's kind of a um, bit vague, but they think it could even be in somewhere like Spain. He was told to go east, and he was heading for Spain, going for a package tour. And it was futile because God was there, He's everywhere. 
It says that he, 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 found, he, he found a ship and he paid the fare. Now, he was running away from God. Do you know something? If we try, if we try to run away from God, you have to pay the fare. It will cost. It will cost you because all of a sudden you're taking yourself out of the provision that God wants to give you. We go our own way. And if we go our own way, we have to pay. And it always costs when we try and avoid God's presence. There's a cost involved when we run from God's presence. There, are co- there were consequences for him, Jonah, and how. But there were also consequences for those around him. And do you know what? We are people who follow and who love and live for Jesus. And I believe that we are called to make a good difference wherever we are, to be good news, not just to share good news, but to be good news. Do you know something? Your presence as a believer can affect the atmosphere of your home, of your street, of your workplace. Your presence, and when you take Jesus into those situations, it has an effect. You have an effect. You can bring blessing. Do you know that there are sometimes... Whenever there's a bit of road rage, can you feel that atmosphere? When somebody, you know, I, I, I think I told you I was in Hackbridge and I got held up in Hackbridge because a car in front had had an altercation with a, a motorcyclist who got off the motorbike and put it right in front of the car so he couldn't move. And oh my goodness, it was horrible. It was really horrible. And his motorcycle was giving it something and he got out and then he photographed the bike with his phone and then he photographed the car. And they were, I thought we were going to have a good old punch up. So I was just sitting there watching, you know. <laughs> Lord, do something. I'm late. Um, you know, and, and, and there it was. And there was this atmosphere, this horrible, horrible atmosphere because of the activity that was going on. Do you know something? We can be blessed and be peacekeepers. We could be those who pour oil on troubled waters. And there are some times when you have to do that. There was another time when there was, the, I don't know if you know, in Butter Hill, in Carshalton, there's a little bridge that goes over the river. <coughs> and actually, Elaine, I was going to take you for your hospital appointment. I was going to give you a lift. And it was, no, of course you did. You're, you're well now. You're fit and fine and whatever. I was going to take you later. I needed to get her to the hospital. And there were these, a van and a car on top of this bridge. And one of them shouldn't have been there. And the other one should have been there. But they wouldn't back off. There was this standoff. And the bloke sat there in the van. And this woman was calling him all the names under the sun. So I got out the car. And the woman said, that so-and-so won't get out the way. Uh, and then I went to him and he said, look, I got the right away. I can't back up now because there's cars behind me. Oh, for goodness sake. So I said to her, do you know what? I've got a really important appointment I've got to get someone to. I know he's being a bit awkward. But would you mind, just for the sake, just be the bigger person and back off? And she said, yes, of course I will. It was my big brown eyes. 
do you know what? By the grace of God, I was able to bring some calm to that situation. Yeah. Now, it's not because I'm a Christian or anything else. It's just, I was just able to do that. because I'd be sitting there now. <laughs> if I hadn't have done something, if you didn't break it, and she said to me, I'm not doing this for him, I'm doing it for you. I said, thank you very much. I didn't do that. Um, But you know, the other thing about it is this, that we can be peacemakers. We can create a good atmosphere. But do you know something? There is no such thing, no such thing as a private sin. Never. When we do something against God and are disobedient, it always has a knock-on effect. It always does. We create atmospheres. We create knock-on effects. And there is no such thing as a private sin. It might be a personal sin, but it is never private. It always has effects. And those poor sailors on that boat felt it because Jonah ran away from God and God had to intervene and there was this terrible, terrible storm and they were in fear of their lives and it wasn't their fault, it was his fault because he should have known better. The sailors said to each other, come, let's cast, let's find out who's responsible for this. And they found out it was Jonah. Eventually, and reluctantly, to their credit actually, they threw him overboard and the sea calmed down. And do you know what? The grace of God caused those men to call on God and find him for themselves. Isn't that amazing? That's the grace of God. God can move in every situation. Do you know, for us, we can sit here and think, how ridiculous to try and run away from God. He's everywhere. But do you know, there is a default setting for most of us to bury our issues or to run away from our issues or as we heard in an excellent talk last week to try and stick gaffer tape on things hide them give them a quick fix do you know something there is a real thing in us that wants to tell lies to cover up things that wants to avoid things and evade things and effectively run away from what God wants us to do and where he wants us to be you know Jesus said this in Matthew 7 Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, I I refute the fact, I don't think it's right that Christians are necessarily narrow-minded. But I tell you something, we are called to walk a narrow road. You see, if it's a broad road... It can go anywhere. You see, if you're walking along a a broad road and there is this issue in your life, you just walk over here instead. Or you walk over here. You can evade this. You can evade that. You You can dodge this. You can dodge that. And you think you're actually overcoming it, but you're just putting on baggage in your life and it's it's causing more and more problems. But you get round it because it's a broad road. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work, if it's not right. I'll tell a few lies and go over here. It's broad and it leads to destruction. But you see, we're called as Christians to go on a narrow road and go through a narrow gate. I'll tell you who the gate is. It's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. The trouble with a narrow road is that when you get up to an issue in your life, 
There's no way around it. Until you go off the road. And then it all starts to go pear-shaped. Oh dear, there's a speaker here that Eliezer might need to move again if I don't watch where I'm going. Or there's this and that and the other. And then, and then you, you find yourself right over here. And, and God says to you, you're listening to me. And you think, do you know, I'm totally lost. I'm, I'm, it's, life's going up the wall. And God says, I'm here. You should be on the narrow road, but I'm all over the place. I'm off-road, four-wheel drive. So then you call out to God. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, I need to put this right. I do repent of that. Lord, I know I'm trying to run away from you. I know I'm avoiding something. I know this isn't right. Will you please bring me back on the road again? And he he takes you by the hand and he leads you back to that narrow way. And it's absolutely great because you find that narrow way and he puts you back on the narrow road and, ah. Right where I came off is where I've got to start again. Because God loves you too much to let you evo- avoid and evade the issues that he puts in front of your life. Because he loves you too much to let you avoid the things that are going to make you and build you and bring life to you. Yeah. Some people think God only wants to make you happy. I believe there is an element of that, but more than that, he wants to make you holy. And only true holiness and walking with God and knowing his presence and knowing the healing that he brings and the victory he gives you over situations will give you true happiness and fulfillment. You see, how do we run away from God? Well, we don't buy a ticket. Well, some people try and buy a ticket to go somewhere else because they think, you know, if I go there, I'm going to leave all this stuff behind me and I'm going to be fine. The problem is... You take all your issues with you and you cannot run away from issues and you certainly can't run away from God. But normally, it's a bit more subtle than just legging it. In our attitudes and our priorities, we run away from God. There are certain things that we are tempted to put on a pedestal before God and effectively, they become the primary issue in our lives. That's the only thing that really matters. And do you know what? That's an effectively, effectively a way of running away from God because you're putting him over here and you're going over here. It doesn't lead anywhere, folks. Disobedience. We can be dis... Do you know what? You know and I know when you've done something wrong, don't we? In the pits, isn't it? You know when what you're doing is not right... But you can deny it, you can justify it, you can stick that gaffer tape on it, as we heard last week. We can do all that stuff, and it doesn't work because you know that you know that you know that it's wrong. I'd like to say that for Christians, I believe your conscience is always on God's side, pretty much. If you keep ignoring it, it can lose its effect sometimes but if you haven't got peace and you know that it's not all right in here before God then you're effectively running away and heading for a fish's belly all right don't do it we evade things Saul King Saul was the first king of Israel and when the time came for him to be king and to be crowned it says in 1 Samuel 10, 22, they couldn't find him. 
They all gathered together. They couldn't find Saul, this great man of God that was going to lead the, king, the kingdom of Israel. And it says in, in that verse, so they inquired further, Lord, has the man come here yet? Where is he? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Oh, my goodness me. He actually hid himself amongst the suitcases, I guess, at Heathrow Airport and came out on a, on a turntable. On a, no, he actually hid himself among the baggage. Listen, we can hide ourselves in the baggage that our lives have gathered over the years. There are issues that come upon us because of what we've experienced, often through no fault of our own. But instead of stepping up and being obedient to what God says and what God wants, we hide in the baggage and what we allow that to do is to limit us and to hide us and keep us from what God wants us to do. We evade God's call. We evade his, the direction that he's called us to go on because I can't do it, Lord. I can't do it. I've got too much baggage. I've got too many issues in my life. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not intelligent enough I can't talk to people enough I'm this I'm, I'm, I'm like baggage if God calls you to do something he will enable you to do it yeah. otherwise he won't call you Jonah ran away from the Lord do you know you can't escape from God um, the fact that you can't escape from God's presence is at the same time very inconvenient it really is a pain because because once you've known him you can't escape him it's horrible because you just can't i'm just going to put all that christian stuff i'm going to do what i want to do i'm going to sing frank sinatra's i did it my way and you pay the fare my friend you count the cost and you go that way but you know what you will never ever be able to escape it's so unfair because you know that you know it's inconvenient but at the same time, it's so assuring, reassuring, because he says, I promise I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. What's that song we sing? You may think, I may think I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. I'm surrounded by you, Lord. And you're there. And if I go to Jupiter... And absorbed with all the other planets there. I know you are there in the depths of the grave. You're there. Wherever. I can't run from you. But, you know, I don't want to run from him. I want to stay and walk with him. Job had a rough, had a, he, had a bad, he had a few bad days at the office, didn't he, Job? Hey? I mean, he went through terrible suffering. And he got to that place where he couldn't see God. You know where he was? It's in Job chapter 23. You can read it for yourself. He says, I go to the south, the north, the east, the west. I don't know where he is. I can't see him anywhere. I don't feel like he's here. But then the, the, the word of faith came. He says, but he knows the way that I take. And when all this has happened, I will be refined like gold. God wants in all things to work for your good he loves you and wants the very best for you. You see, having gone away, got, gone his own way, Jonah paid the fare, incurred the cost, and thought he'd deal with his own transport. Well, God had some other ideas. It says that the Lord provided. Isn't it good when the Lord provides? 
Don't we love the Lord provided? Yeah, the Lord provided. The Lord provided a great big fish to swallow him. You might have thought that the ship was preferable. <laughs> well, God had another idea because he prepared a fish or whatever it was to swallow him to teach him. And it says that he was in the, the, the fish's belly and it says Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. I, I bet he did. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 it's more, if you're in the belly of a fish, it's not only being down in the mouth, it's being further than that. He was in the worst possible situation that he could ever be in. And he prayed to the Lord. Do you know something? God loves us so much that he sometimes can only reach us when he allows us to go into the belly of a fish and it prompts us to pray. Sometimes when things are going great, you don't need to pray, do you? Because it's going fine. That's not a relationship with Jesus. That's using him as a convenience and you forget about him when it's all going fine. But I tell you what, Jonah was desperate when he was in that place and he called upon God's presence. And it says, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Happy landings. Sometimes we have to experience a tough time so that God can reach us. But God also prepares other things so that God can teach us. I think that anyone and everyone who's ever tried to do anything for God or been called realizes that they can't do it. Yeah? And we all get that thing that says, I'm not good enough. Well, I just want to, again, stress that you are good enough if God calls you because you do it in his strength. And, and the reason I know that is that God prepared a worm. How about that? There's, every one of us here are more capable and able than a worm. But God prepared a worm to speak and to teach into Jonah's life. Just very briefly, it says this in chapter 4. Didn't read it, but he, he, he'd been, he was vomited up onto the dry land. He went to Nineveh, this enemy city. He preached, they repented, and God's judgment didn't happen. Now, Jonah was not impressed with this in fact he was angry isn't it funny that God taught him a lesson reached him he prayed and he set him free from that what you would think would be certain death and yet he still had a bad attitude because when he went and he preached in that city they repented and yet he was angry about it I didn't want that to shade and to ease his discomfort and he was very happy about the plant But then came the worm with the divine purpose. But, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. Say, thank you, Lord, for the worm. Nobody. All right. <laughs> Which chewed the plant so that it withered. And the thing that was giving him comfort in his disobedience died. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. It's getting worse. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so he grew faint and wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Can, you, can, can I tell you something? We need to learn the lessons that God has got for us. We need to get on God's agenda 
rather than what suits us or what we think is the right. You have been concerned about this plant that he was angry about. Though you didn't tend it and make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? God was saying this, Jonah, I'm sorry to have put you out, but I had a purpose for you because there were 120,000 people who were lost. Yeah, but they're your enemies. Well, do you know what? In Romans 5 verse 10, it says this about us. It says, for while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Jonah paid a price. I want you to know that Jesus paid a price. He paid the fare. He took the cost. And he laid down his life for each one of us, even when we were enemies. And in obedience to his father, he stayed consistent and obedient and he fulfilled the job that God had given him to do. And you know what? The, the, the account of Jonah is more than just a story. It's actually something prophetic. Because in, in Matthew, it's that Jesus said this. The people were looking for a sign. They said to Jesus, well, show us a sign for who you are. Come on, come on, prove it, prove it. And Jesus said this. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus paid the price, died on the cross, was in the earth, in the tomb for three days. But on the third day, he rose again so that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, shall not be his enemies but will be his children and be called together with other brothers and sisters and I'm so glad that Jesus didn't run away from his father, but he stayed the course and he did the work. And what he does, he calls us to stay the course and to do the work that he has for us. Running and hiding will not work with God. Do you know what? If you try and run away, there's no shadow he won't light up. <laughs> and all the rest of it. No, no mountain he won't climb up. No, he won't kick down. Pardon? Lie he won't, won't tear down. Coming after me. It's so unfair. You don't stand a chance. You can't outrun God. You can't run away from God. So why don't you just turn around and say, Lord, I give in. I mean, it's just so much easier. It really, really is. You get there in the end, but if you want to go through the, the fish's guts and vomit it out, that's up to you. But if you want to actually obey God in the first place, it's a so much easier way. It might seem wrong, it might seem hard, but my t I tell you what, the reckless love of God 
loves you so much he won't let you get away with it. I believe God is looking for a people who walk with him in devotion, in relationship, and in faithfulness. Because he loves you and he wants you to share his love with people who are still his enemies, but whom he loves. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment, shall we? Father God, I want to thank you that we sang it earlier, but you are a God who took extreme measures. Actually, in the story of Jonah, it sounds pretty extreme. And yet, you sent your son, the eternal, divine son of God, a person of the Godhead to this world, not to pay the price for what he had done, like Jonah did, but to pay the price for what we have done. That you can reconcile us, you can bring us back, we can know you. And we don't have to stick gaffer tape on things, we don't have to try and run away, because we can know and, and, and appreciate and love and enjoy the presence of God, leading us, guiding us, bringing us blessing and helping us to become the people you've called us to be. Two things I want to say, folks. First of all, if there's anything in your life that is making you evade, avoid, or run away effectively from God, can I ask you just to put it right before him now? You'll never get peace. You will never, it's horrible. You will never get peace until you put that right. It just doesn't work. You can't have that peace when you're not at peace with what God wants you to do. It might mean you reconciling with somebody. It might mean you stopping doing something. It might mean you changing your plans I really don't know and it's not my business it's your business before God but don't effectively go your own way and run away but deal with it and the grace of God will meet you right where you are and give thanks that you're not in a fish's belly right now but where you are he can meet with you and put you back on that narrow way Hey, and if this morning there is anyone here who needs to take a genuine, powerful step of faith in Jesus in a way you've never done it before, he's calling you. He's poured out his life for you. And he wants to speak with you and give you his life and purpose. Lord, I want to pray that whatever... applies to each of our lives that you will help us to respond accordingly. Lord, I pray that the grace and the love of Jesus, the forgiveness that's found and the new life that's given through faith in him will be ours. Not because we deserve it, but because you've come running after us. And Lord, I want to pray that you'll help us to just adjust our lives where we need to, 
to change direction where we need to, and to follow the way that you called us to go, to trust you with our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anything that has been said or shared has touched your life this morning and you want prayer for that, do talk to somebody. Um, don't go out the way you came in, but allow God to give you a new direction. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And uh, we're not finished. 